This is Living Forever, Not an Option, a podcast brought to you by Care Dimensions, a provider of hospice, palliative care, and support services in Massachusetts. Your hosts are Lynn Skarmis and Mary Crow. Hi, everyone. It's Lynn and Mary of Care Dimensions, back for our sixth episode of Living Forever, Not an Option. Our topic today is concepts of grief and loss. Now, I know that loss is a part of life, and grief is a natural part of the healing process, Mary. The reasons for grief I'm looking at are many, such as losing, you know, a loved one, loss of health, even the loss of a job or friendship. I know people, right. that, you know, take a lot of that stuff very hard. And dealing with a significant loss can be, you know, one of the most difficult times in a person's life. So can you tell, can you tell everybody, Mary, what exactly is grief? Well, grief, Lynn, is the, it's the emotional reaction to a loss. Where, so that's what grief is. It's the emotional response to a loss as opposed to mourning, which is the outward expression of grief. So people use those terms interchangeably, but there is a distinction. So those internal feelings is what grief is. To And like you mentioned initially, to any reaction to any loss, people focus so much on the person, but loss comes in many different ways because of the attachments that we form. Sure. And it is all about, the, you know, what I've read is it is a lot about um, attachments. Sure what, is. You know, what are the different types of attachments people form? Well, we're, we're hardwired, right? As human beings, we're hardwired to form attachments. And because we form attachments, we grieve. When the, when the attachment is severed or, or we're anticipating it could be severed, we, we grieve. So the, it could be like you talked about a person, it can be our health, it can be a pet, it can be hopes and dreams, it can be a house, it can be our finances. There's so many friends and uh, you name it. There can be so many different things. So because we're hardwired, most people, I'm going to say most because I can't say everyone because some people, they don't grieve because of the inability to form attachments. Oh, and that was going to be my question. Because we're hardwired, does everybody yeah. grieve? But what you're no. saying is not everybody no. does. Most people do because most people, again, form attachments. But there are people, because of other reasons, maybe mental health reasons or what have you, that they have an inability to form attachment. So that, can, that, that actually impacts their ability to grieve. Okay. And now, there's just not one type of grief, right? Are there are there different types of grief? There are different types of grief. Yeah, and you know, you know grief is it, it is a universal grief is universal, as you mentioned. So, the, but there are there are different types of grief, and there can be an anticipatory grief. There is there there can be complicated grief. There's disenfranchised grief. They use the word normal grief. I'm one that doesn't use the word normal much, uh, because what is normal? Right, it, there is it, no normal. Right, and I so I don't like to. What happens for people when they're grieving, and why I don't like to use that word too, is that there's set that sets an expectation that we're supposed to grieve a certain way, and people should grieve in whatever way they grieve. It's a it's a it's as as personal as as any process. So a person's grief journey is as unique as any other journey that they go through. Even a person's dying experience is unique to them. So is one's grief journey. So I don't like to set expectations on what I should be doing or what I should be feeling. People grieve in the way they need to grieve. 
and I don't want to put a, a, a that in terms of this is abnormal, that's that's normal. Now there can be complicated grief. There's, you know, we we have anticipatory grief, which is when we, like I mentioned before, if you know that a when we're forming attachments, when we know that an attachment is going to be severed, so if we are losing a person, to, if they're going to be dying, or if we're losing our job, or or something else, yeah, even even you know, when I I watched my daughter grieve as she graduated from college. Mm-hmm. There were big a, steps, a number. Yes. There were big steps, right? It's a huge transition, but there are a series of losses. There's there are a lot of wonderful things coming over the horizon too, but that's that doesn't. Uh, address the issue that there are a number of changes and losses that people go through in these these events too that can be joyous but at the same time um, can can really elicit some grief response as well so when we know that that attachment will be formed so that's when the anticipatory grief can I can I'm going to interrupt because you know when we're of course you know we talk that we're you know our organization you know we provide hospice care mm-hmm. um and do we see that with um, families of hospice patients or that are on that are on service with us? The grieving doesn't start after the person passes. The, no. The, the anticipatory. Does that mean that they start grieving? You know, like when they get that the diagnosis oh, or absolutely. they find out mom's go. You know, yes. going to be. You know, is dying. You know, in the next few months. Uh, is that like yeah. an anticipatory that it happens? The grief Absolutely. just doesn't start once the person passes. No, and the grief is the person who has the advanced illness is grieving, the loss of roles, the loss of purpose, the loss. There's so many different things that we can grieve, as the and also for the the family members, they're grieving life as you know it. They're grie- that can even be when people are sick and or have an advanced or a terminal illness. Even coming out of the workforce, there can be grief around loss of income. There can be there's so many different losses that are attached when people can have an advanced illness. So there's so many different layers of this. So there are many types of attachments going on, and we have to make sure that we address the grief associated with all of these. So it so happens it's before. People need to know that that's that is a, it is a normal process. It's not uncommon. Yes. Absolutely. And this is very natural. Help, even before the pa- before the person or the yes. loved one passes, ask for that help. Yeah. Well, and and people can lose. Lo- they can have a loss in different ways. We're talking about loss when somebody knows that that the death is going to occur. So there's that period of anticipation. There are some people that experience a loss, a sudden or traumatic loss, and that can and people are at a higher risk of complicated grief when they have a sudden or traumatic loss. So they don't even have the opportunity to, to do to the grieve. anticipatory. They they just bang. It's boom. It's Life done. as you know it is different. Changed. Absolutely. So and like I said, it puts them at a higher risk of complicated grief. This the anticipatory grief. It's always interesting because some people. You know, they say, oh, well, you know, if if you anticipatorily grieve, then when the person dies, it's supposed they expect that the that their response is supposed to be easier. That's not true. Anticipatory grief does not lessen the impact of the of the grief that we feel when the person has died. But people will say, then what good is this anticipatory grief? Oh. And it, and some people even question whether it's real. It's absolutely real. Um, and what is what good is it? I actually think anticipatory grief is very useful because I think we use, we find, we, 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 we get tools for our tool belt so that we'll use during this anticipatory grieving period that we can utilize when the person dies. What has been helpful to us in that time? 
you know, to get through this period, to get through this grief response, I think anticipatory grief is very useful and very necessary. So, and it's, and you know, this, there's this realization with anticipatory grief too, we have periods where it's the, the realization, it's, it's not just this constant period, we can come in waves where it's, where we're more aware of it too, thankfully. Because if we were constantly grieving at that that level without having these periods or these waves, it, wow, we'd be done in, right? So it, it can actually come and go. but and, and like I said, the anticipatory grief doesn't complete that grieving process. And there, you know, and I'm thinking of the hospice services that we provide and the team that goes in and that multidisciplinary team that goes yeah. in to take care of the patients and families. That team is just so important even yeah. for the loved ones and the family members to yeah. help with this anticipatory grief, help them understand what's happening yeah. and what's going to happen, and also let them let them talk to our social workers, our chaplains, and yep. and um, grieve with them. Oh, know, absolutely. People need that support, and th- th- there's so much to do at this time. There's so much. That the support this I always say that several things I love I love so much about hospice care and and part of that is that hospice is not just for the person it's for the whole family unit and the family being anybody who loves and supports you so they tend to the whole system the other piece is that they tend to people's spirit mind and body that this is death is not merely a medical event it's really going to tend to the person and help with all of these things that come up so that's where the social worker and the chaplain come in they're a huge huge resource so I you asked me too about other types I also want to bring up you know I talked about complicated grief which which certainly needs to be paid attention to too complicated grief can present you know with um you know, if, with a co-occurring, like adjustment disorders, depression, anxiety, substance abuse, even post-traumatic stress disorder, and things like that. The extended duration or amplified intensity of grief, we need to watch out for complicated grief. It can be delayed, absent, it can be conflicted or chronic grief that we want to look for. These are types of, of complicated grief. You can see these t- this type of grief manifest itself, like I had mentioned earlier, with a sudden or traumatic loss. D- depending on the intensity or or how conflicted a relationship was, uh, if there are is there's pre-existing mental illness that can play a role in it. How, what are the person's coping mechanisms? Because that definitely plays a role in in how one grieves. And are there additional stressors going on in a person's life? That's also a big deal. And what could be the stressors? Is it you know, maybe financial troubles, or is it, you know, what, like... Well, there could be a number of things. Maybe the person has had multiple losses, oh, you know, yeah. concurrent losses. Sometimes, Lynn, you don't even know what you're grieving, you know? I, 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 I can remember I, I was 18, and my, my, my grandfather, I graduated on June 8th, and my grandfather died on June 11th, and my grandfather and I were very close. Then my dog of 18 years oh. had died. And then I had to go to college. Oh, jeepers. Oh, I, well, I've leave home tell, leave for the first home. time, right? Well, yeah, and I was very connected to my family, so leaving home, and I was, you know, I was like three and a half hours away. I went to college, and I was just so grief-stricken, and I sat there and sobbed, and I, don't, I had so many stressors and gr- uh, things to grieve that I didn't even know what I was grieving. So, so you're just you're you're crying, you're, and you I'm had no idea a, why. I'm just a, I, I was just a ball of grief, oh. and it was 
there, see what I mean? There were many losses that were going on at the same time. And sometimes it's hard to even sort them out. And one loss can trigger another in terms of when grief, you don't have a time to work through grief. It can just, it just keeps stirring it up. And sometimes you're not even aware and you can have this reaction even much later. And it's because you haven't been able to properly grieve other situations. Too many happening at once. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, definitely. So there's also another type of grief, which I just want to mention too, which is called disenfranchised grief. And, and this is a really important aspect of grief too. It's, it's any grief that's unacknowledged or unrecognized or even scorned by member of society. And, you know, when you're not getting the support you need, you're grieving, but you're not getting the support from society as, as you might otherwise. And many things, there can be different types of why people feel this. And sometimes people feel alienated or even shame in addition to that grief. So you can even see that. I, I think even with pet loss, you can see some disenfranchised grief sometime. You'll hear people say, ah, you can get another one. They're just a dog. Well, for oh, a lot of people, that of pet family. is a part. That's like a child to them, a part of the family. I feel like that's disenfranchised. Even people uh, who maybe have died of HIV or AIDS uh, or or have been murdered or suicide, sometimes you'll even have families that hesitate to even mention how that person died. I have a friend who's whose uh, loved one died from AIDS and and the family will not will not say that they actually say that they that he died from another type of illness uh, and and which is a shame because there's a shame associated with it when the, you know there there should be no reason to feel ashamed that that this person died from this disease so even like a miscarriage or um, even like a, the loss or the death of an ex-spouse you know, people say, well, you, you didn't like them anyhow. Like, why, you, you know, well, it doesn't, just because you at can't live time, together, it doesn't, well, and it doesn't mean you don't love right. each other now. Maybe you can't be married, but you still love each other. Mm-hmm. So you can see how, again, not getting that support from society in the way that one should. And then it, it takes you to the point where you don't want to talk about it. You're hiding your grief. You're right. hiding your emotions. So I don't think that, no. that must not be healthy for a person. It's awful. And again, when you're not getting that acknowledgement from society, what do you do? You do you you hide it and you hold it in and and that's not the way grief works. You gotta you gotta be able and some people do try to push grief down. It's gonna come out. It's gonna come out one way or another, and and people can get sick. Not not really going through that process. Because and there's different facets of grief, right? Absolutely. Can yeah. you can you explain those a little bit? Sure. You know, there's the facets. Of, there's the behavioral symptoms of grief that can include emotional outbursts, or sleep issues, eating issues. So so sleep too much, too little, eating too much, too little, uh, increased smoking or drinking. You can see in people some impulsive acts, repetitive speech or actions. So those are some behavioral things that you can see. Uh, physical symptoms of grief. You can have pain in the neck or the head, the jaw, chest, all of that, pounding or racing heartbeat, muscle stiffness or soreness, dizziness or fainting. So almost things uh, that oh. take you right to the ED, yeah, right into right. the hospital. Oh my say. gosh, grief can present like you're having a major a medical issue. Sure, oh breathlessness, not getting in. And, you, and there have been people that have actually had a severe um, loss or trauma and their hair turns gray. Oh. Yeah, so that didn't in, happen to me, but yeah. <laughs> I still have the gray hair. <laughs> so you know, even the um, 
you know, with the, obviously with the with the other things of the physical, with the crying and sobbing or the oh, sensitivity yeah. to stimulation, as sometimes people can even mimic the the symptoms or the of of the loss, the person who died, which is not uncommon that that can happen. There's emotional. Another f- facet is emotional reactions, and, and initially there's that disbelief, or shock, or intense waves of feelings, anger. There can even be relief, Lynn, uh, which people, and then they feel guilty about that, right? Uh, and fear, anxiety, despair, shame, guilt, a number of things. Uh, there's also other emotional reactions that can go over time, too. And that can be shame or envy or depression, withdrawal, loneliness, having adjustment issues. And, and there can also be peace. So there's so many different, the spiritual, and there's some spiritual and philosophical um, facets as well. And, you know, I, I see this with people where they'll say, you know, why do bad things happen to good people? You know, why people why who me, are religious, why right, me, right, why me? Why, or why him? Yeah, or why, you know. exactly. You know, why would God do this? Why would God take my loved one when they, you know, so there's all these philosophical or spiritual things that you can, and I've seen where it can cause people to push away from their religion or spirituality, and religion and spirituality are different, right? I always mm-hmm. say that spirituality yeah. is our very core uh, beliefs, values, all that, where religion, again, not everybody who's spiritual is religious in nature, but you can see where it can, it can, people can start to question, and it can actually, they can even push away if they are, if they do are religious, uh, or it can bring you closer to so people can have different reactions. And these reactions, all the ones that you mentioned, do they they manifest over time? Can can someone start with a behavioral facet of grief and then go into more of a physical or emotional? Or do you see changes? It, it varies with people. It really varies. Like I said, this, this uh, journey, this grief journey is so different for different people. It's just, it varies so much. So th- it's unpredictable in terms of how that person... That's the thing about grief. It's it's an interesting beast. You know, you can be going along and you can feel like you're doing okay. And and I do want to mention, Lynn, there's no, because people will ask me this, what is a normal grief period? There's no such thing. No. It is no such thing. So, you know, people will think, oh, a year, that's wrapped up, like you're going to be okay. No, I, I, you know, grief is lifelong in my eyes. And the goal is not to get over it. It's for it to become more tolerable with time. And I would even think when you said the year, I would even think the year might be a significant milestone because you're doing a lot of the first. You right. know, it's, it's the first birthday without them, the first Christmas, it's the anniversary of the death. I, I, I would think that would almost bring back a lot of, you know, more of the grief. Absolutely. Maybe I have found, too, personally and professionally for people that, the second year sometimes is, is is even more brutal than the first. Mm-hmm. I think that first year sometimes, you know, there's the, the shock of it all. And there's also logistical things that have to be done and worked out. And, and sometimes you don't even have the time to focus on. And then you get into the second year. And then it, 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 then I it sometimes kind of feel like it really hits you even more. Okay. So it, it really can vary with people. You know, to get to the other side, we got to go through it. True. That's the problem is that people think I can skirt it. I'm going to push it down. I'm not going to talk about it. I'm going to, you got to go through it. You know, you got to go through the process and it's painful. We don't, when we have these intense feelings, we don't, it's so overwhelming to us that we want to do everything we can not to feel them. And we have to, we've got to be able to, to, to process this and go through that. And, 
there's a healing process that goes from that. But it's not, we're not going to forget. We're not going to, and, and the grief, I do believe, is lifelong. But we do want it to become more tolerable time. One of the tasks that we have to do is to get back into life. You know, and that just doesn't happen. But we have, listen, in our, in our day and age, what is it, right? We get three days. Three days. Well, five for hospice. But other organizations are that they, yeah. Even for the loss for, of like a partner or. Yeah, in other places, oh, a lot wow. of times, you know, a bereavement um, is, is usually around three days. That's ridiculous, right? When you think about it, and the expectation is we're going to be able to just jump back into life. No, you don't. Well, think about it. You get married and you take a two week honeymoon. Right. And that's during a joyous occasion. Right. And you have two weeks to, yeah. you know, go yeah. celebrate. And all. Yep. You lose a loved one and you yes. get three days. Three days. And really that's for the services and all that. But the see what happens is that people expect so that you come back and, you know, those services are important. They really are. But what happens is that people are around those first couple weeks, right? You're busy. And you get so much support and everything. And then people don't do this with ill intention, but boy, life just starts up again and goes on and you're left holding the grief bag, mm -hmm. right? And that's hard because people, I, I schedule it in for people. Like if I if I have somebody that's important to me and, and, and I actually put it on my calendar so I don't forget. To make sure you reach yes. out, you touch base. Absolutely. You make sure they know that they're important Because to you. life goes, you know how it is. Like all of a sudden, you and you care about that person, but geez, wow, two weeks went by and, it, you know, and then it occurs to you, oh my gosh, I haven't been in touch with so-and-so. And we need to remember that they're really, they're grieving, they're suffering. And, and this is going on for them. And, and people are kind of going, and, and even for the grieving person, it's like, how can people go about their, you know, life like this when I'm sitting here and I'm suffering in this way? More about Care Dimensions. Care Dimensions provides compassionate care throughout all stages of an advancing illness. Our expansive services and expert staff honor the richness of patients' lives, addressing complex medical issues as well as emotional, spiritual, and family concerns. We treat patients with dignity and respect so they may live as fully as possible. Care Dimensions, one of the nation's first hospice programs and the region's largest, provides services in more than 95 communities in eastern Massachusetts. For more information, please visit our website at www.caredimensions.org or call us at 888-283-1722. I think it's hard for people who aren't experienced with, with grief or with a loss or have had a lot of people in their lives that have had a loss. Like, how do you approach people? What do you say to them? Mm -hmm. I just never know if I'm saying the right thing. And that's before someone dies, like the anticipatory, but you know someone has a loved one that's you know, that might be dying of cancer at home or you know, how do you support that person and what do you, what right things do you say? And then once the patient passes and dies, this, you know, how do you approach that? You know, right. I, I've heard people say sometimes, oh, well, she was 101, she lived a great life Oof. or so, yeah. but, but we stumble, yeah. we stumble through it because, and we don't mean anything, we don't no. have any ill intentions, but right. we can stumble through this. So can, any yeah. pointers you could Absolutely. help us out with? And I think, you're right in that it's never ill intended, but what happens is that in our own anxiety, you know, we don't know what to say. We do kind of fumble all over the place and, and we, we just say something. We're trying to be compassionate and we're trying to, 
you know, it, it was, you know, like when people will say, I know how you feel. Well, nobody knows how the other person feels. You know, and I always bring up this example when, when my father died um, rather unexpectedly a, a couple years ago, um, I had uh, somebody that I care about, uh, a friend came up to me and said, oh, I know how you feel. Um, and, and because they had lost a father too. And I was joking with them. And when they said, I know how you feel, I said, oh, was he your father too? <laughs> and then we laughed about it. And what yeah. we talked about, because again, I would never have said that to a person who wasn't as close as right. she was, but we joked about it. And what I said was, oh, I'm just kidding. I said, but it's interesting. And I, what my, what my point was trying to make is, listen, I don't even know how my brothers felt. Okay, we lost the same father. I can't speak to their loss and their grief. I can speak to, I know my relationship with my father and, and what that, that grief and what that loss meant to me. Uh, and that takes time for me to even work through, right? But I don't know how my brothers felt. So the only way I know is by asking them. So, but we say these things in, in trying to, and, and the other part about that too is when people, you know, when somebody has a loss like this and then they start to bring it up like, oh, you know, I lost my father too. Now, see what's happening? You're, you're now about taking, them. right. Almost, yeah. It does become about them. That's not how you help a grieving person. One of the best things you can do is listen. Just stay and listen. Listen, 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 and be present. Be totally present. Don't with that be on person. your phone. Send no, in a text. no, no, exactly. Like I see everybody, yeah. you know, like yeah. everybody does nowadays. Yep. And even comments like, um, and and now we're talking about like again when in those things. And listen, this can happen before or after. Listening and being present and 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 all of that and, and knowing, and and when you ask a grieving person too, what do they need? They they don't know. They don't know what they need. You know, call me. Call me, call if, me you if you need something. anything. Oh, they! I, I've never They're known never one call. grieving person who placed that call. Never. So they, we need to actually reach out to bring the meal, do all those things, make the visit. I'm, you know, coming over to get you. Let's go out to dinner. That sort of thing. You, you know, really help that person. When a person dies, too, the the things that we say are so important. And you'll often hear people like you were saying about the age. Well, they lived a long life. Well. That's not really comforting. No. You know, is that much gone. longer I had to love them? So it doesn't mean that my pain is going to be any less, right? Other things sometimes, you know, your family needs to be strong. Well, no, you need to feel the way you need to feel, right? What pressure you're putting on. Um, you'll feel better in a few months. You'll get over it. I've heard people oh. say this. You'll get over it. Don't get over it. Yeah. These these are not things that you you would I, say. And I and know what know what it is, man? People just don't know what to say at the time. Right. They don't mean anything hurtful. They just they yeah. just something comes out yeah. and you're like, Oh, jeepers, did I, I say the right thing? But you know what the one of the most important things that you can say to the person is I am truly deeply sorry for your loss. And simple, just those it simple is. words. And it seems so simple, but it is so it really matters. And to let the person know I am here for you. And when you're saying that, you know, I'm truly, deeply sorry, mean it. People know when you're disingenuine. Make it, it's, it needs to be genuine and authentic. And that's one of the most comforting things that I have ever heard personally in and professionally, which I've seen. You know, it, you want to encourage people. I've even heard, oh, don't cry. I say to people, cry. Do what you, whatever you need to do. I, I'm here. And I can, I, I, people need to know that you can tolerate their feelings. You were talking about, you know, when we we were talking in our in one of our episodes when we were talking about living well, and you were talking about, you know, these friends like, uh, you know, not not to have these 
um, Downer friends, you oh, know. Yeah. These, the, yes. Yeah. That yeah. I hate to say Debbie Downer because Debbie we don't <laughs> want to put poor Debbie. Poor Debbie always takes a hit on this, right? Um, but the point is that these, you know, people that are not necessarily cheerful friends. It, it's important too that again we have those people in our life that that we know who is going to be able to be there. Not everybody can tolerate our suffering. It's true. It's hard for some people. And you know what? You don't know what they've experienced themselves. And maybe it's bringing up, you know, some some memories that they can't handle. But um, I always say, you know, we no matter what, we have to accept, you know, we have to accept them for who they are. And some people can give a lot and some people can't. Yeah. But it's important that we know that. Right. So we would know, geez, I'm not going to go to this person because they're not a person that I can that can really sit with my feelings and that I'm going to feel like you know again I was able to get the my feelings out with but those other friends that you can confide in and all of that so you have to know you kind of have a perspective on who's going to bring you comfort in that way which is so important because I I think it's just so important to be able to grieve yeah oh absolutely absolutely and what happens if people, I, I, you know, if they don't grieve? Like everything that, will Oof. everything just manifest? Oh, will it's going to come up. Fastest of grief, like will they just build up inside and all of a sudden they'll be, you know, they'll come flying out one day or will someone, you know, and, and like we said, end up in the hospital because they've held it in and it's affected them physically? It's going to come out some way or another. And I always say it always we, we can only, but yeah, and it can manifest itself in, in physical ailments. It can manifest in anger and outbursts and all kinds of things. So you want to make sure that people have an opportunity to express their feelings. People can't do it 24-7. you got to make time to grieve, right? So you And you do it, and you have to have times, too, away from it, you know, to have those breaks as well. So, But you, you almost have to schedule it in because we're so – we sometimes people keep themselves so busy and distracted to try to use avoidance because the feelings are just too painful. But they're going to be there. You know, I was saying earlier that grief is, uh, um, it's an interesting beast because if you can feel like you're doing well and then all of a sudden you got that song or Ooh. it's a, it's a hot, this certain memory, holiday or memory. this, and man, it comes up and bites you, doesn't it? So there's those grief ambushes that can come on when you think I'm doing okay, I'm doing okay, ah, you know, and, and then you're thinking I'm not doing okay. Y- you are doing okay. It's, it's that this is, this is natural. That you're, you're entitled to that. I think one of the best things that we can do is encourage people to say, you can feel how you feel, and the way you're feeling is not abnormal. That it's okay to feel exactly how you feel, and you're not going crazy. You're, it's natural. I, I, like I said, I stay away from the word normal because it puts too many, I, it puts people under a pressure that they have to behave a certain way. But it's not abnormal or unnatural for these things to happen in that way. Well, I have one of my great quotes, um, and I think this kind of fits here. Earl Grohlman said, grief is not a disorder, a disease, or a sign of weakness. It is an emotional, physical, and spiritual necessity, the price you pay for love. Yeah. The only cure for grief is to grieve. That's correct. Yep, absolutely. Does that not make sense? It makes total sense. Yep, that is exactly right. And I love the quote, there's that grief is love's ransom. Oh. We we grieve deeply because, because we, love we love deeply. Deeply, yeah, right. And it's and true. if we don't do either, what kind of life is that? 
it's not living well. It's not, not living well at all. Our last right? episode, listen yeah. to episode five. It's <laughs> yeah. definitely not living no. well. No. It's, uh, and, and it, as hard as it is, would you have wanted it without that, right? To have not have had that experience to love so deeply. Uh, I wouldn't want that. So even, you know, for all, I, I have, unfortunately, I've been one of those people that have had multiple losses in my life. But I, I as hard as I have grieved, I have, there have been no regrets because I, I wouldn't have wanted to be without that person. So it, um, your life would have been different. It would have been different. It, yes. It would have taken a different path. That's it correct. Something wouldn't be the same. Yes, definitely. We are very lucky to have Absol- those people yeah. in our lives. Absolutely. Just a few other little suggestions. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, plan for the hard times, know that they're coming. So you don't have to get alarmed when, when they do arise, even doing things like rituals, planting, uh, planting things, candles, lighting candles, things like that can be very therapeutic and healing, um, having these type of memorial types of things. Even doing things like, you know, we talked about in the Living Well one about just practicing relaxation, doing other things, taking care of yourself. Grieving people don't take care of themselves. They don't eat well, they don't sleep well, right? We have to, this is a time when we have to pay attention when people are grieving, they say you shouldn't make any major decisions for a year. Makes sense, right? Because cognitively, we're not thinking in the same ways. So I, I almost think we should get a script from the doctor that says, "Do not operate heavy machinery while we're grieving. Do not <laughs> one year, do this. Do not. Years, yeah, yeah, it could be right. So it, there's certain things that we want to now. Listen, sometimes we have to make decisions and we have to make changes. But when we don't have to, let's let's not. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, those are the main, but there's ways to memorialize, to, to recognize. We, we form a new relationship. The person will always be a part of our life. You know, in, in the, in the movie Tuesdays with Maury, there's a line that says death ends a life, not a relationship. And I truly believe that, that you have this relationship with the deceased. You have to formulate a new one. And that's one of our tasks to do. And how does that person then become a part of your life so that they're forever there in your memories and such, but uh, to, to, to memorialize them in that way. And that's a great movie for people to watch, Tuesday Fabulous. with Maury. And you have another one. Is it P.S. I Love You? Yes, and that talks a lot about various aspects of grief. And I know you do some programs on those where everybody watches the movie and you do a facilitated discussion. And I'm sure you have some really great questions oh, or comments afterwards regarding you know, what, what they've seen and how they're interpreting Absolutely. the movie and the grief process. And what part of the movie strikes them? What, it, it, what resonates with that person for, for a different reason? It does for everybody. It, I'll got to tell you, it's, they're just very um, amazing s- discussions from this. And I picked these movies for a reason because, we, you know, with the Tuesday with Maury, it really talks about living while you're dying. And with P.S. I Love You, it really focuses on really all the different various facets which you talked about uh, of grief as as somebody is going through that so there's different things that kind of uh, address certain issues with that but they really do generate a lot of discussion which is great and we'll bring up again um, before we end that we do care dimensions does have the Bertillon center for grief and healing a resource for people who have lost a loved one who's had have had, really has had any type of loss in their lives that they can reach out we do a lot of groups Yep, that groups get together and there's facilitated discussions. So we just want everybody to know that we are, you know, Care Dimensions is a resource for them in Massachusetts and to reach out. 
and they don't have to be on hospice to utilize the Bertolon Center for yeah. Grief and Healing. It's important that people know that. And later on, you'll hear what our phone number and our email. So please, anybody, reach out if you if you're needing help or if you want our information. We'd be happy to send it to you. So I'm going to thank everybody again for joining us for Living Forever, Not an Option. And next time, we're going to have a conversation around caring for the caregiver. Very important conversation that we're going to have. So please join us. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to Living Forever, Not an Option with Lynn Skarmis and Mary Crow. To learn more about Care Dimensions, please visit our website at www.caredimensions.org or check out our podcast website at www.caredimensions.org backslash podcast. We would love to hear from you with questions or comments. Please feel free to email us at podcast at caredimensions.org. And of course, you can always call our office at any time. The number is 888 283 1722.